0: Yes. Welcome to On The Mic With Mike. We don't always have these conversations with our loved ones, but we need to. The podcast that addresses controversial issues that affect us in the criminal justice system. Do you understand what we had to get to to carry a gun and defend ourselves? And even cultural challenges we face every day. People just love to make it about race. That's not the case. What causes you to be in a relationship that may lead to a potential domestic issue down the line? Resolve your unconscious bias and grow from an independent perspective based on facts and data. Why not use statistics in your analysis? And now, your host. Do I seem like I'm on something or am I just losing it? Instructor Mike. Good day to you. I'm Instructor Mike. On today's episode of Instructor Mike, we mourn the loss of the city of Chicago's finest. Another hero sadly loses his life in the battle against crime. Police officer Andreas Vasquez Lasso lost his life to a senseless gun gun violent act. We are going to discuss that here on Instructor Mike. Also, shooting in the back, is that something that in certain points in an officer's career, in certain situations, that it could be warranted? What would make me even talk about that? We'll listen to the city of Chicago, the Cook County State's Attorney's bond proffer in the denial of bail of Stephen Montano, the person accused of shooting and taking the life of Officer Andreas Vasquez Lasso. Is there ever a time where Tennessee versus Gardner comes into play where a person alleged of committing an egregious felony in a domestic violent situation could be shot to save the lives of others, including the officer. We'll discuss that. Also, Chicago Police Department veterans allege that they are not getting enough training at the academy. You heard me talk about these things before. What, if anything, does that mean? What, if anything, are they saying? We'll go through that as well. Also, remember the life of police officer Ella French, who also tragically lost her life in a given situation regarding a person in the community? We'll talk about that too. There's some connection. There is some connection. And lastly, Chicago mayoral candidate who advanced in the runoff, Paul Vallis, vows to return the city of Chicago to a safe city where businesses can thrive and flourish, where citizens can feel safe. But what does that come with? All this and more on Instructor Mike. What's going on you? This is Instructor Mike. You can follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown or Instructor Mike. Follow it me could on- be you as a citizen and you walked up and you see somebody. It look, heavy. I don't know.
1: With me, still trying
2: to get it open a couple
0: of times. So, chill, all right. What's going on? Without further delay, let's go ahead and get right into it. I'm Instructor Mike. You can follow me on Facebook. Uh, at Mike Brown or Instructor Mike on Instagram and TikTok at Yes Mike said it on Twitter at Instructor Mike One and on YouTube at Instructor Mike. Go on and hit the subscribe button, hit the bell for notica- notifications without delay. Let's go on ahead and dive right into it. We are going to be listening to the bond proffer uh, that was proffered by the Cook County State's Attorney regarding the arrest and prosecution. Or the uh, pending prosecution of Steven Montano, the person who is alleged to have shot and taken the life of Chicago police officer Andreas Vasquez Lasso. We're gonna go ahead and take a listen into that bond proper. By the way, I hope you all are feeling well. It's about to snow in Chicago, so I hope you're finding a way to go ahead and stay bundled in tight. Uh, Of course, you know, I produce my own show, so I'm getting just a couple of things ready so that we can go on ahead and listen to the Bond Proffer. All right, good deal, good deal. Without delay, let's go on ahead and listen to it. Now, there are some details that you will hear in this Bond Proffer that I will talk about a little bit later. So let's just go on ahead and dive right into it. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe button. Let's go on ahead and go. 58
1: South Spalding in Chicago. In the late afternoon hours of March 1st, 2023, the defendant and his girlfriend began arguing about their relationship and living arrangements. During that argument, the defendant charged with his hands outstretched at his girlfriend, who stepped out of the way to avoid being struck. The defendant then threatened to get his gun. The defendant's girlfriend exited the home through a side door located on 53rd Street. She called 911 and reported that the defendant had a gun. As she spoke to 911, the defendant followed her. The defendant grabbed the phone from his girlfriend's hand, hung up on 911, and threw her phone. The defendant's girlfriend continued to argue with the defendant and went back inside of her home. Uniformed police officers arrived shortly after on the scene. These officers were in full uniform and in a marked SUV. The first two officers approached the front door of the residence located at 5258 South Spalding and heard a noise in the gangway. The defendant jumped out of a window of the residence and into the gangway and fled back towards the alley. An officer observed something in the defendant's hand and believed that it was a gun. The defendant entered the alley where he came upon two neighbors standing in a nearby garage. The defendant dropped a gun and a magazine in the alley in front of these neighbors. He picked up the gun and the magazine, inserted the magazine into the pistol, and asked the neighbors if he could hide the gun in the garage where they were standing. When the neighbors indicated no, the defendant entered the garage they were in and fled into the backyard of the connected residence. The defendant then climbed up onto a car into the backyard and hopped the fence. He hopped the fence northbound into the next yard. At this point, the first two officers who had arrived at the residence had relocated through the alley and into the same yard as the defendant and observed the defendant jump that fence. Those officers radioed that the defendant had jumped a fence and was back on Spaulding. Defendant fled east across Spaulding Avenue, then ran north on Spaulding, past Sawyer Elementary School. The victim, who was working and on duty as a Chicago police officer, was responding to the scene to assist the first responding officers. The victim was in full uniform and in a marked Chicago Police Department SUV. That SUV was being driven by the victim's partner. As the victim and his partner were driving northbound on Spaulding, they observed the defendant running, also northbound on Spaulding. The victim exited the squad car and gave chase to the defendant on foot. The defendant turned and went through a gate and entered the the schoolyard area of Sawyer Elementary as the victim continued to chase him. The victim gave multiple verbal commands for the defendant to stop running. The defendant turned and went into the gate leading into the fenced yard containing a playground. The defendant's back was to the victim and his hands were not visible from the victim's position. Once the victim was only a few feet away from the defendant, the defendant looked back over his shoulder in the victim's direction and immediately turned towards the victim while racking the slide on his pistol the defendant pointed his handgun at the victim. The defendant and the victim both fired their guns. The defendant fired five times and the victim was struck a total of three times in the head, the arm, and the leg. The victim was able to get off two shots and the defendant was struck in the mouth area. At the time of the shooting, there were civilians, including multiple children, on that playground who took cover under a slide. Defendant turned, The defendant turning towards the victim, raising his gun, and shooting the victim is all captured on the victim's body-worn camera. The victim collapsed immediately after being shot. The defendant stumbled a few feet away into the new nearby school parking lot before falling to the ground, with his firearm falling to the ground next to him. The victim's partner exited his squad car and approached the defendant. The defendant stood up, refused to comply with commands, and tried to walk away from the police despite being shot in the face. The defendant was subsequently tased and handcuffed. Officers recovered the 45 caliber handgun the defendant used to shoot the victim from the ground beside the defendant. Other officers began emergency life-saving measures on the victim. The victim was loaded by officers into a squad car, and eventually transferred to an ambulance that took him to Mount Sinai Hospital, where he was ultimately pronounced deceased. The cause of death was multiple gunshot wounds, and the manner of death was homicide. The victim sustained a gunshot wound to the left temple above his left eye, which exited the back of his head. The victim also sustained a through-and-through gunshot wound to his left forearm and a through-and-through gunshot wound to his left calf. The scene was processed by evidence technicians who recovered five 45 caliber shell casings, the victim's nine millimeter semi-automatic duty weapon, and two spent nine millimeter shell casings. The victim does not have any publishable background. It is the people's position that Steven Montano must be held mandatorily no bail, pursuant to 725 ILCS 5 backslash 110-4A in that this is an offense where a life sentence may be imposed as a consequence of conviction on two bases. First, the defendant is responsible for the death of a person, and the defendant was armed with a firearm, that he personally discharged that firearm and approximately caused death to another individual. Second, that the murdered individual was a peace officer. Additionally, it is the people's position pursuant to statute that the proof is evident or the presumption is great that Steven Montano is guilty of this offense And pursuant to statute, the court must held or set this defendant's bond at no bail. Thank you. Thank you very
2: much.
0: Thank you. And there you have it. That was the Cook County State's Attorney, Assistant State's Attorney, reading the bond proffer. In the matter of the people of the state of Illinois versus Stephen Montano, in the shooting death of Chicago police officer Andreas Vasquez Lasso, Uh, the shooting occurring in the Gage Park neighborhood uh, on Spaulding Street. Um, You know, this is a very, very uh, sad situation that took place where you have a police officer, a group of police officers, in fact, responding to the matter of a woman calling for help. And this is an ongoing thing, you know, all across the nation, not just in Chicago, but all across the nation. And so hearing some of the statements or hearing some of the things that were stated in the bond proffer, we heard that Officer Vasquez Lasso gave chase after seeing the defendant then run northbound on Spaulding, cutting into the lot of a school parking lot at Spaulding Elementary. And you can tell because of, or you can tell if you paid attention to certain details, that the officer got very close, approximately within, what, four to six feet where he was gaining distance on Montano, the defendant. And you have a situation where this person, Montano, looked over his shoulder, saw Officer Vasquez Lasso, turned around, and they both exchanged gunfire. You have heard me talk about this before, where I've talked about and showed just how fast a person can be shot in the back. Those of you all who have followed me, you heard me talk about this in the matter of, what's his name? Jacob Blake, I believe in Wisconsin, where the officers shot him in the back as he was entering into his vehicle after multiple attempts multiple attempts and multiple commands. This too was a domestic situation in Wisconsin with Jacob Blake. I believe that's his name. His children's mother called the police over a disturbance regarding a car. Officers arrived. They tried to tase him, it didn't work. Tried other mechanisms of detention or restraint. It did not work, allowed him To walk around to the driver's side of his car, whereupon him entering the car, that's when the officers shot him in the back. So here's the question that I ask you Should officers be allowed to shoot in the back given certain circumstances? Isn't this a Tennessee versus Gardner issue? We'll examine that shortly, but let's watch this YouTube video, a couple of them, and then we'll discuss it. Here we go. Now, I want to talk about unfortunate circumstances when you got a person behind. It doesn't have to be the police, it could be you as a citizen. And you walked up and you see somebody in your house and you're behind, so you don't see their heads. How fast do you think it would take for me to just go ahead and simply? Now, if you look at that, take a look at where I shot. The grouping wasn't tight. But if you remember the bond proffer, didn't you hear the state's attorney state that he was shot in the head, arm, and leg? You don't see a headshot here. That's not where I was aiming. But look at where those shots landed, all but one. Hit all but two. Hit arms, center of mass, high chest. How fast was I able to shoot? Just how fast? Some of you all remember seeing this video. <laughs> Do you think you'd be able to respond fast enough? Yeah. You think you might be able to? Yes. No. I mean, I. I how fast could you respond i don't know yes do you think you'd be able to respond you mean think you might be able to possibly yes. y'all start giving me commands put your hands up put your... how fast could you respond just how fast do you think you could respond i remember talking about this in another video here we go all right and you're chasing after me this is a typical Chicago house, a, a, a gangway between two houses, right?
2: Right.
0: Now, you're chasing after me. You don't know if I got a gun. How many of y'all have ever been worried about that? Well, why would the police, just listen. Why would the police sit here and shoot at somebody in the back while they running away, right? Mm. Yes? No? Yeah. You're talking about something. Well, that's because you're were, you were, you were far away. I bet you if I was up close, I'd be able to tell the difference, right? right? Exactly. So here we go chasing after me right, right? Yeah. How, how fast can I sit there and shoot That's hold on here we go here we, uh, you chasing after me come on let's go let's somebody Okay, that's your reaction. Here we go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. There. Hold there.
3: on. I didn't
0: even have the turn. <laughs> you know when you run it, and you, like, it's like if you're fighting, somebody randomly hits you. But don't shoot no, yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah you know. you Y'all somebody, somebody randomly uh like hits you in the face, the sudden reaction will be like this. Right. Because of whatever, you know, Guess push what? and everything shoot. I mean, when you look at that given situation, when you, when you take a look at that, no matter how he tried to defend it, was he able to defend it? He wouldn't have been able to shoot faster than you. You see what I'm saying? Because he would have to know when I'm going to actually shoot. And that is not something these officers can know. Action will always be faster than reaction. Always faster than reaction. And what did you hear of the bond proffer? The officer did not see his hands. See, people don't understand that that body-worn camera can tell the tale when the officer is no longer able to speak. And that that body-worn camera told the tale of how this person was running and his hands could not be seen. And what's the difference? You think about it, right? If you study physiology, human performance, when a person is running, right, you're typically able to see the hands because there's nothing in those hands, right? This is just the, the natural way the body moves. You're either running like this, right? Your hands in front of you. Or you could be running to the side, but you're seeing those hands and those arms and those elbows moving. But then when you're running, the feet's moving and you can't see hands. Could that be an indicator that the person is holding a gun? There have been plenty of situations in Chicago where officers have discharged their guns towards Fleeing persons under the belief that this person had a gun. Some instances they were right. Some instances they were wrong. But what you're seeing here is an example of what happens when you decide to go on ahead and sacrifice what you know to be true based upon your education and experience for politics, for not wanting the public to feel as though you're out here just shooting innocent persons willy nilly. And I'm not saying that was the case for Officer Andreas Vasquez Lasso. I'm not saying that was the case. But what I'm saying is this we have had an influx. Of persons on one hand desirous to see innocent people not be mistreated by police and then on the other hand people with agendas to destroy police infiltrate the department infiltrate politics and weaken the position of the things that police officers know to do That they can articulate reasonably in court. and We have seen that happen. And that is what you are seeing here. That is unfortunately what we are seeing here. So let's go ahead and dive into Tennessee versus Gardner. It's very important to discuss that. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Because when we look at Tennessee versus Gardner, that's a Supreme Court case that talks about the very thing that we're talking about here the objective reasonableness of the force used, that's Graham versus Connor. But then we're talking about shooting a fleeing felon. I think it's important to review this case. So get your pads and pans out, all that great stuff, because class is a session. Here we go Tennessee versus Gardner, 471. US 1 1985. This is a deep dive into this case. Here we go. Case history. You have at approximately 1045 p.m. on October 3rd, 1974, Memphis police officer Hyman and Wright were dispatched to a prowler inside call. Upon arrival, a woman at a neighboring house motioned towards the house next door. Wright radioed their on-scene arrival. Hyman went behind the house Hyman hears the door slam and saw someone run across the backyard. That someone was Erwin Garner, a teenage black male between 5'5 five, five and 5'7. Five, Hyman, with the aid of a flashlight, said that he was able to see Garner's face and hands, unlike in this given situation with Officer Vasquez Lasso, right? Now, let's look at it police officers in Memphis got a call for a prowler inside, which we would call residential burglary. But in this Chicago situation, police officers got a call for what? A domestic disturbance involving a person with a gun. Those are two different type of felonious crimes. One is a crime against person. That's the aggravated domestic battery right? Aggravated domestic battery because it involves the gun. That's the aggravating factor of the domestic battery. The relationship between the defendant and his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend still qualifies. But in this given situation, you have a felony, a forcible felony, but it's a crime against property. Here we go. Let's dive into it. So then Garner crouches the fence. Again, residential burglary, crime against property. uh, Garner crouches at the fence. Hyman shouts, police, just like Officer Vasquez Lasso did, gave multiple commands. Police, stop, in uniform, in police SUV. Hyman shouts, police, halt takes a few steps towards him. Garner begins to climb the fence. And what does Hyman do? Fearing that if he scales the fence, he may get away. So what does he do? Shoots him and it hits him in the back of the head. And what happens? Garner is transported to the hospital where he dies in surgery. Where in this given situation, what happens? Officer Andreas Vasquez Lasso is chasing after a person they believe to be armed, not just him, the entire chasing body of the police officers aren't seen at that spawning area. Believe him to be armed. That was the nature of the call. And we will assume that Officer Vasquez Lasso was running with his gun in his hand. That would have been the only way that they would have been able to shoot at each other at the same time as if his firearm was already out of the holster. Then what happens? Multiple commands, police, 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 stop, police, police, police. We can assume, as body camera footage would likely show, that Officer Vasquez Lasso was gaining or had already gained enough closure toward... The defendant, Stephen Montano. Montano looks over his shoulder, sees that the officer's catching up. I'm not going to jail today. He had already been released before with a shooting case after having completed some between 15 and 25 hours of community service. And what happens? He's released. He knows what happens if he gets into custody based upon what he did to his girlfriend, he knows what's going to happen. He's going to likely be held on a higher bond. See, sometimes we make those assertions believing that a person who has been convicted of an even more violent crime, such as murder or whatever the case may be, that they're going to absolutely shoot at police officers and kill them. We don't take into consideration that persons with a, eh, background as Steven Montano we don't take that into consideration that he could likely shoot the police too see when you think you know that this person is not going to attack you you could sit you could be surprised and when he looked over that shoulder and saw that officer Vasquez Lasso was getting close what did he do turn around just like how you saw me in that video turn around and they both were shooting at each other, action will always be faster than reaction. And so I argue that in this situation, unlike Tennessee versus Gardner, where there was no reason to shoot at Edward Gardner because he was only alleged to have committed or did in fact commit a crime against property, As the Supreme Court outlined in their holding, that there is a difference between the two. In this given situation on Spaulding, this was a crime against person. A forcible felony. A forcible felony. Look it up. Aggravated domestic battery is a forcible felony. What are your forcible felonies? Treason, murder, Predatory criminal sexual assault, aggravated criminal sexual assault, criminal sexual assault, robbery, burglary, residential burglary, aggravated arson, arson, aggravated kidnapping, kidnapping, aggravated battery, or any other felony that involves the use of force, including home invasion, aggravated domestic battery. Need I say more? And of course, you're saying murder. What about the different classifications? Murder. So my question is this, did the Chicago Police Department create a culture where officers are afraid to do their job? Did the city of Chicago and outgoing Mayor Lori Lightfoot bend to the mob of not only those who aren't so far to go to the woke left. And I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm not conservative or liberal. I'm an independent. I say it like I see it. But when you go so far to that end, are you jeopardizing the safety of our officers? If Officer Vasquez Lasso would have shot Stephen Montano in the back, I don't know how many of you all remember the situation involving Adam Toledo and the officer who shot. Him, after he dropped the gun that was out of the eyesight of the officer, they quickly lifted up his hands and the officer shot. Oh, you shot an unarmed person. Action always is faster than reaction. See, people who have never done the job don't understand a clue as to how quickly you can lose your life. Well, Chicago police officer Andreas Vasquez Lasso lost his life in service to the citizens of the city of Chicago, proving once again that if you don't take those steps that may look awful but could be extremely lawful, it could cost you your life. Does Tennessee versus Gardner apply here? Does Tennessee versus Gardner apply here? Let's continue to look at the rest of it. Here we go. Just go through a couple of things here. Here's the court's analysis. Whenever an officer restrains the freedom of a person, a person has been seized by that officer, according to U.S. Uh, versus Brigham. Uh, sorry. Sorry brigandoni Price, I might have said that wrong. 420, 20, 422 U.S. 873 1975. While it is always or not always clear, just when minimal police interference becomes a seizure, there can be no question that apprehension by the use of deadly force is a seizure and subjects the matter to a Fourth Amendment inquiry. A police officer may arrest another if he has probable cause to believe that the person committed a crime. This is United States versus Watson, 423 U.S. 411, 1976. To determine the constitutionality of a seizure, we must balance the nature and quality of the intrusion on the individual's Fourth Amendment interest against the, import- the importance of the governmental interests alleged to justify the intrusion. Let us continue. Don't forget to hit that like, that subscribe button. Let's continue. Here we go. The dissent argues that the shooting was justified by the fact that Officer Hyman had probable cause to believe that Gardner had committed a nighttime burglary. While we argue or agree, strike that agree that burglary is a serious crime this is what the court held we cannot agree that it is so dangerous as to automatically justify the use of force remember my analogy i said that before or my statement that i said before that the court analyzed there is a difference between burglary which is a forcible felony but it's a property crime versus aggravated domestic battery Aggravated domestic battery is a forcible felony. That's a crime against a person. The FBI classifies burglary as a property rather than a violent crime. Would we state that aggravated domestic battery is a violent crime? Could we reasonably assume that a person running where we don't see their hands could suggest that they could have nothing in their hands or something in their hands? could that something be a gun. Does the law require you to know, in fact, that this person has a gun? I'm just saying, Tennessee versus Gardner would have applied here. So let's go ahead and get to the next question. The next question Chicago police veterans say police officers are not getting enough training are not getting enough training. Let's dive into that. That's a very important topic of discussion because it could, in fact, allude to why Officer Vasquez Lasso might have decided not to shoot based upon how he was trained in the department. He was a five-year veteran of the department, of which 18 months is spent in the academy and in field training. If the police department ingrained that in his head, are they responsible for his demise? Who? That's definitely something to consider. So let's go on ahead and just dive right into Chuck Gowdy and Channel 7 Eyewitness Lose.
3: Let's go. Judy, domestic calls are common, and so too is the danger for police. Tonight, the I-team with two veteran law enforcement officers who know how easy it is for police serving and protecting suddenly to have to serve and prevent a domestic encounter going sideways. Somebody runs, there's a chase, it becomes violent, there are gunshots, and somebody ends up wounded or dead.
2: I don't want to say that Chicago is a war zone, but when you have 800 people murdered in a year, almost 800 in a year, and and over 2,000 people shot on a yearly basis, that, that is a, uh, that's a rough environment. And our officers are out there on the front lines.
3: John Garrido was on the front lines until he retired as a Chicago police lieutenant last November after 32 years on the job. His father was also CPD in a different era.
2: More and more uh, people out there are feeling comfortable with uh, running around with weapons. Uh, the just the way things have changed especially over the last few years uh, these these uh, offenders are, are people that they're they're carrying guns more often because they're not worried about uh, being stopped and having them taken away from them and so by carrying those weapons they're going to be more likely to use them uh, I don't want to say that we feel like that we're invincible uh, you just don't think you're going to get hurt.
3: Last night, an officer did get hurt, killed, fielding one of those domestic calls that cops are taught to never treat lightly. Ed Farrell was a deputy U.S. Marshal in Chicago Chicago for decades, working a task force that trained local police officers. We need to invest in our officers training, uh, giving them what is called officer survival training and making sure that we're able to invest long term. This is not going to happen overnight. There's Thousands of Chicago police officers, getting them trained uh, to the level that they should be would take years. But without increased continuing education and officer-on-the-job training, this retired lieutenant tonight says the price may be what we saw happen last night.
2: This is, of course, my first time experiencing it as a retiree, and uh, it's, it was just as heartbreaking as if I was still on, on the job. We don't even have to know the officer because even though we don't personally know him, we know him. He's he's us, and uh, it it just, uh, it's heartbreaking.
3: The retired lieutenant tonight says officers trained in the academy to serve and protect and then essentially are on their own figuring out how to serve and prevent getting hurt or worse. Other than having to qualify on the gun range, he says some officers go years without real in-service training. In large part, he says, because there are so many vacancies on CPD's payroll, the cops can't be replaced to be put on training. Of course, there has been no report yet on what contributed to last night's fatal shooting, but training of all on-scene officers will be among the items examined watch breaking news on youtube you Subscribe know, i want to look
0: i want to focus on something that i caught and this just like it's you all's first time seeing this it's my first time seeing this too i saw this i saw this i want you to look at the officer right here in the corner on your right hand side i can't even point right there not the one immediately right here no but the one over here Look at how many times this person fires and this officer doesn't even. This is sad. Let me show you. Let's just play it. Out Increased continuing education. You see that? Hold on. It happens so fast. Let me slow the playback speed down because we got to see that. I got to see that again. We got to see that
3: again.
2: Yeah
3: but without increased con- do you see this
0: do you see this I'm not shouting at y'all I'm just upset I am upset because this these officers look to be officers who have been on the job you can tell by they already got their tasers Having been issued. These are not rookies. Well they might be an MTO. I don't know. They might be in their field training. But these are not rookies. If they're not. They're already out of the academy. Already out of the academy. You see how. Look. You don't really see hands. Person is down on the ground. This is evident. That this is a crime. Against persons They don't have their taser out. They don't have their firearm out. Without in You see how this is her training gun. Her training gun. Her training gun. Look at it. You look at it right now. This is her training gun. He already pulled out his gun and she hasn't even gravitated toward her training gun. She is stumbling off. She is stumbling, trying to find it. I can't make this up.
3: Without Increase continuing. Now she grabs it. How many times had she
0: been shot? Doesn't she resemble Ella French? I said what I said. If you heard that bond proffer of when police officer Ella French lost her life. This is resemblance of that. Police officer Ella French did not even have her firearm out of the holster. Just like this officer. Do you see that? This person has a firearm and is actively shooting. This officer is trying to find uh, her pistol try to find her pistol you cannot make this up you cannot make this up I am sorry if you don't like the fact and I am beating a dead horse eight too bad so sad this is so Continuing Now she grabs her gun. Her taser was right here. This is what they are trained to do. They are trained to reach for the taser first before they even reach for their firearm. This is sad. The death of Ella Fridge. It's also on the person who shot her. But it's on you, Chicago Police Department. It's on you, City of Chicago government. If you Chicago police officers and the Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 7, don't band together and file suit against the City of Chicago, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. This is sad. This is sad. Of course, I'm pointing to my screen. This is the screen I'm talking about. This is sad. This man is in a simulator. In a simulator. You aren't reacting fast enough. So I know on the streets, you ain't go, you're, you're, you're done. You're done. You're done. For the purpose of time, I'm not going to keep going over this. This is sad. This is so sad indeed. You cannot make this up.
3: But without increased continuing education
0: This is sad. This is so sad. Rest in peace, Ella French. You deserved to be a Chicago police officer, but you deserved better training. Rest in peace, Officer Andreas Vasquez Lasso. You deserved to be a police officer, but you deserved better training. You deserved better training. They spent all that time on a new police academy. All that time and money on building a new police academy. And this is the result. You police officers who serve the city deserve so much better. So much better. That being said, I end with this. Chicago mayoral candidate. Paul Vallis advanced to the runoff with Chicago Teachers Union-backed candidate Brandon Johnson. Paul Vallis ran on a platform of sticking to the issues and ran on a platform of safety first to bring businesses back. A former CEO of the Chicago Public Schools during the daily administration, seeking to open up schools after school To provide inner city agencies the opportunity to bring their programs into the schools to give the kids something to do. I love it. I love it. I love it. If you, Candidate Vallis, are waging war against crime to bring back safety to Chicago, or perhaps make it a more safer city than it what it is now. Get ready for more funerals. You heard what I said. You heard what I said. Get ready for more of these. Why? You have gotten, not Paul this I'm say you as in Paul. Paul didn't do this. But those within the Chicago Police Department, who by the way were probably following orders from city government, so let's be fair. But the city government of past and the administrators in the Chicago Police Department of past to whom this applies, you have allowed the untrained citizens of Chicago, who will never be police officers, never be on the front lines as much as the police in actively going towards the gunfire and trying to stop crime while it's in progress. You have let those people drive the war horses of the department, the veterans of the department, those who can constitutionally police like a beast. You have driven them to early retirement and you have driven other officers to other departments or out of the department all the way. So now you have babies in the department see everybody's an officer till it's time to do your job everybody a gangster till it's time to bag out everybody ready in theory till you get stress tested I remember being a part of an organization of sorts where we use the words often tried, never denied, and willing to be tried again. If you know, you know. How do you know you're qualified to be a police officer having been often tried, never denied, and willing to be tried again? How do you know you're ready for that armed encounter having been often tried, never denied, and willing to be tried again? Not just at the old what was formerly called the Timothy J. O'Connor Education and Training Center or the Chicago Police Education and Training Department at the former address of 1300 West Jackson. Parts of it is still there. Not just there, but in the streets. Having been often tried, never denied it will to be tried again if you are going to wage war on crime, get ready for more funerals. Get ready for more thoughts and prayers. Get ready. Because these boys out here that you all call stupid criminals, they're not as stupid as you think. And they ready. They've been running from ops all their life. They've been running from the police all their life. I'm just using slang they've been running all their life. They are more ready than you think. The officer of the fourth district who was involved in an off-duty situation on the 900 block of Bishop or in that area, who came outside of a place, don't know if it was her residence or not, came outside of a place with no star, but had her firearm in appendix carry around four people. You were that confident Where in other circumstances, they would have beat you up and took your gun and shot you. These are the kinds of people that we are bringing on the department that have good intentions. But they need guidance. They need training. They need stress training. They need to be often tried, never denied, willing to be tried again. I said it when I was talking about the Memphis Five who were accused of taking the life of Tyree Nichols, that black law enforcement officers don't have a community you can go to off-duty to get that extra training you need. The white officers can go to Beverly, Mount Greenwood, Hagwish, other neighborhoods where Once you get out of the academy, you get in FTO, you got that training. But once you're off duty, you are going back to live in a community that supports law enforcement, where you can go to O'Larry's, O'Toole's, O'Shaughnessy's, McLarry's, whatever Irish surname, and sit at the bar or at the table. And you can talk to a retired officer, a retired commander a retired detective, and get that continuous training. They can invite you to, to the BJJ, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or the extra places to get that extra training. You can go to the gym and you can work out and, and keep it amongst your own and get to They have that. Where are we going to the black communities? McDonald's, Josephine's, Burger King, Starbucks. Where are we going? Chicago, to return ourselves, yourself, itself, to a place where we are actually able to get to some sort of safety. Everybody's willing to go to heaven, but nobody's willing to die. Everybody wants the police to be reformed, but nobody's willing to die to create the police department that you need what do i mean when i say die that doesn't mean i want you to die what that means is everybody wants to talk about constitutional policing but nobody's willing to put their lives on the line and do the awful looking but lawful stuff to bring about a safe city that we need to have Law enforcement is often compared to being sheep dogs. Well, what I'm seeing is good intentioned yet horribly trained sheep who will continue to fall prey to the criminal element unless Chicago police officers band together and decide to use the resources they already have to train these officers. Don't you tell me. Well, I need to get paid for that. That's part of the problem. If you really cared about your brother, sister, officer, train them now. Train them and don't charge them. I said what I said. See, everybody want to get paid. That's part of the problem. Don't get me wrong. I'm an advocate for getting paid too. But y'all need to do better than this. This ain't going to cut it. Because it's your life on the line. It ain't the superintendent's life on the line. It ain't soon to be former Mayor Lori Lightfoot's life on the line. It's your life. Your life. Come on now. We can do better. We can do better than this. Y'all better get ready. Y'all better get ready. (laughs) Lastly, I will say this. Thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Officer Vasquez Lasso, Andreas Vasquez Lasso. By all accounts, you served the city well. By all accounts, it is said by those members of the department I've spoken to that you had a bright future ahead of you. I am sad for you that in your academy training, it was more likely than not ingrained in your head not to discharge your firearm at someone running away like this, for I'm sure if you were trained during the era of Chicago policing when I was a kid, you would still be alive you would still be alive because this was certainly a situation where this person qualified as a deadly threat to be stopped as a fleeing defendant or a person who had committed a forcible felony that was a crime against persons. This person definitely qualified to receive those life-saving services. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. This is Instructor Mike and you've been trained. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown or Instructor Mike on Instagram and TikTok. And yes, Mike said it, subscribe to my YouTube page, Instructor Mike. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell for notifications, and follow me on Twitter at InstructorMike1. Get yourself in somebody's concealed carry class. Get yourself in somebody's training. You officers better band together and decide to share your strengths and your knowledge with each other. This isn't the time to be selfish because if and when Paul Vallis wins and they declare war on crime, the criminals that you are going to be chasing after they will shoot first. They will shoot first. This isn't the time to be scared. See, I know some of you Chicago police officers took the job because it's easy to get on because they need people. When well, I ask time to earn your check, the war horses are gone from the department for the most part. So you're going to have to really be the change that you seek. You're going to have to be about that life. You're going to have to be about it. Be about it or get out of it. Be about it or get out of it. You've been warned. What's going on, you? This is Instructor Mike. You can follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown. or Instructor Mike, follow it me on It could
2: be you
0: as a citizen. And you walk up and you see somebody... look heavy? I don't know. He ain't special. That must be. But it's good to know that this can handle the high-pressure rounds of a fuzzy. On your board. With Ready
1: to go. Make eye contact with me. He's still trying to get it open a couple of times.
2: So tell.